This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And welcome in to another edition of Penn Live's Blue White Breakdown, Penn State podcast focused mostly on Penn State football. But in the spring, we're going to talk some college basketball at the end, big time of year. Penn State hired a coach. As we tape this, I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Dave Jones in his studio in Downingtown. Um, the Final Four is going to break out in a couple of days. So we're going to, we're definitely going to get to that later in the podcast, but Dave, I got to ask, there was a developing situation in your house right before the podcast started. <laughs> Kaiser, your German shepherd was in a tense stare down. What other kind some, are there with a squirrel? Some, with a squirrel. Uh, some of the local squirrels apparently do not know the turf. And this is what <laughs> happened. You know, they don't understand who they're dealing with. Now, this guy, it, it had to be like five or 10 minutes. This guy is just crawling up on the windowsill, looking in, peering in, scratching himself, browsing around for, uh, that's right un- underneath the bird feeder. How so, thick is wow. that glass? I hope it's sticking up. <laughs> it is, it is. But I mean, I, I as you said, squirrels always know what they can get away with. And uh, yeah. They take liberties sometimes. They're they're. How do you think they came up with the the uh, the phrase squirrely? I mean, that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's it, right there, Dave. Dave, let's move it along. I hope your dog's doing well. Greg Pickle, I know, is listening in on our podcast. He's producing it, I believe. I hope Lola, his his newly minted four year old golden retriever, is doing well. But Dave, let's talk a little Penn State football. I think you had a chance to, to uh, participate or listen in on a couple of conference calls this week, if I'm not mistaken. Anything striking your fancy as Penn State's about halfway through uh, spring drills? I was taken with Taylor Stubblefield. I was talking to, uh, with Greg last night after that teleconference, and I was just monitoring. Sure. Mind you, I, was, I didn't have any questions to ask. I, w- I just was hanging out, seeing what would transpire between franklin and taylor stubblefield i was actually drinking a glass of wine i mean if someone wanted to get it i was i was like pouring down wine uh but stubblefield seems to me uh to be i don't know he seems like a coach in that sweet spot between when they're they're not quite don't quite have their feet under them when they're too young and when they're really all in on their business and very enthusiastic, even in March, April, about what's going on. I just uh, sometimes you can you can tell in a guy's tone of voice that he's yeah. not just spouting the party line that he really <clears throat> believes what he's talking about. And I think he's very encouraged about Parker Washington, Jahan Dotson and uh, a bunch of guys nipping at their heels that might finally change the whiteout room. Uh, at the school, and we saw we saw beginnings of that last year with those two guys and some guys behind him. So, um, yeah. 
with Yurcich, maybe the field gets stretched with this offense the way the way it needs to be. I would say this, Dave. One thing I've noticed with James Franklin, and I think he's done this. This is definitely something he's intended to do. If you remember the staff he took, he brought with him to State College in 2014. That was a staff that uh, some of those guys had played football, but they hadn't really played football recently, and they weren't really well-known. If you look at some of the additions to his staff, Taylor Stubblefield, Phil Troutline, Anthony Poindexter, all those guys were good players or championship players in college not too long ago that can recruit. And I think that, I think that James knows that maybe it's easier for his, his kids to relate and develop to players that they can kind of identify with. And I wonder if James is doing this. This is a pattern that he's trying to put together. Well, you're never going to be able to, even, even his first staff here, remember all those guys, a lot of that staff stayed, had stayed together through Vanderbilt and here for a couple of years. Yeah. A lot of those guys had been with him for four or five years. Man, that time is over yeah. because yeah. the money is so good in coaching uh, to make one step up from position coach to coordinator can make you, you get double your salary. And then if you become a head coach, that quadruples your salary. And we're talking millions of dollars. So the days of being able to keep a staff together are over. But also, if you want to be in this atmosphere today with name, image, and likeness about to explode, um, with the transfer portal running, I mean, there's a thousand guys in the college basketball tra- transfer portal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, the, the, we're we're probably in a stage here in both sports, both revenue sports, where guys are just learning um, that the grass isn't always greener, and maybe it'll 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 temper down just a little bit. But right now, it's a young man's job. Is what I'm getting to. I mean, sure. it, it's it is a young man's job, and if you don't want to deal with this as a head coach, you better get out because you're going to be constantly yeah. switching in players switching out players, switching in assistant coaches, switching them out. It's going to be a nonstop Wild West, and I don't see any end to it. So yeah. you, you, you'd better. You'd better find those guys. <clears throat> I, th- I think that's a good point, Dave. Um, one thing that interests me, I listened in on the James Franklin call before uh, the Parker Washington call, not Parker Washington, Taylor Stubblefield call on Wednesday. I This actually got by me, and I'm glad that James brought it up. Um, James has mentioned since he, he hired Mike Yersich the need for the Lions to play with tempo in their offense, to speed up their offense, to force the defense to maybe limit substitutions, to force them into maybe making some bad decisions, to tire them out. But that's that wasn't the interesting part. He said, and the more I thought about this, uh, I would he was right, obviously. This they've never played with tempo. That they, that, yeah, that they never played with tempo. Even before. even with Moorhead, even when they would yeah, yeah. go to, they the, got up to the line quickly, they wouldn't yeah. snap the ball quickly. They, they, they would get up to the line with Moorhead, but then it was a matter of trying right. to react to the defense right. and do something that the defense wasn't prepared for with the personnel they had in the game. Right. Um, right. This, what he's talking about, is just go, 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 go. Billy um, O'Brien's NASCAR offense. Well, what it is is you remember. You remember the Ticket City Bowl with Houston? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that was actually a very good example of real hurry-up yeah. offense in college football. 
Um, and Penn State had that really good defensive line, and they they couldn't keep yeah. it, was, it rendered them meaningless. Thirty and, to eleven. Hmm? Yeah. So thirty to eleven. Thirty to fourteen, wasn't it? Might have been eleven. Might have been fourteen. I don't yeah. know. You're right. Thirty to fourteen. Yeah. I don't argue with me about trash bowl games, man. Okay, I, I won't. I, I'm a that, that was a tra- That was one of the all-time trash bowl games <laughs> in recent NCAA history. Has, have we ever been to a trashier bowl game than that? I don't know. Oof. I don't think so. It was just uh, uh, yeah. It was a low way to end up that year. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, let's not get into that. But yeah. but um, tempo can do that, and yeah. if Yursich wants to do that, and he thinks he has the guys to do it, yeah. Hey, you know, that's that's a way to counterpunch this league because I can't think of anyone who – Minnesota did it for a little while, but not they weren't devoted to it. Yeah. No one's really done that like they do in the Big 12, like they have done a lot in the Big 12. Well, sometimes you do it even if you don't have talented players. Billy O did it because, you know, that's how you tire out a defense that might be more talented than your offense. Right. You know what I mean? It's If, if your offense is synced up to do it, you don't actually need super talented players. You just need really smart players who can kind of get the, that are in shape, obviously that can get the job. I, done. I think, I think actually Northwestern did it 20 years ago, 21 yeah. this year. They were the first equalizer. Yeah. They were first to put that in, but back then uh, defenses, Austria. those old stodgy the big 10 defenses, they would have, three linebackers in all the time or even four trying to guard right. five wide outs. It just, it's so, so the Northwestern quarterback, Zach Kustak at the time just located, <laughs> where's the, where's the linebacker covering, covering my slot receiver. Oh, there he is. Get up the line. Boom. And, and they get right back. At the line. Boom. And it was relentless. You can't do that anymore because they're going to have packages in that will fight right. that. So it's really just about tiring the, the defense out when you feel like they, can be yeah and i think penn state fans should really be prepared to see that because i think james wants at least to experiment with it because i think he's wanted to do it for a while and i think he's been frustrated that they haven't been able to do it for a well, while i don't think he, he he hasn't had enough viable wideouts to do it well it's that but i think also i think that the oc has got to really really know what he's doing when he implements it and i you know he had ricky ronnie for two years not really a lot of experience as an OC. And I still know, I don't know that Kirk, uh, I don't know that he was comfortable doing it. I know you, you touched on the fact that they did it a little bit at Minnesota, but I think James wanted to really see how far he could go with that. But it, they do, it does take some wideouts, but it's really, Dave, isn't it really about spacing too? You, you don't necessarily have to have great wideouts either. You just, just the threat of the spread. I think you can play some tempo football. Yeah, but they haven't had real good deep threats since 2016. So, right. so maybe, maybe this team has. KJ, Hamler, KJ Hamler's offended, but sure, sure. Well, I'm talking about a volume of them. Yeah, right. Correct. Where, 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 you can, where you can run verts with four guys at once, and that's what spreads the defense out. I mean, yeah. the old air raid that came from Texas Tech 20 years ago, that's, yeah. that's the ultimate of spreading the defense vertically because that's what you want to do. Right. I don't know if they're to that point yet, but you also need a quarterback who can make quick decisions, see things. You know, you could argue maybe they haven't had that recently either. Big, yeah. big spring for Sean Clifford with that. I, I agree. I think his decision-making has to improve. He can do some things very well, but last year, I think you and I would agree, they were decision-making, holding on to the ball, 
You know, he's got to get it out. It's got to be, it's got to be out quick. And I think Mike's got to coach that up. And Shiraka took, took the, the hit for that. You know, I don't know that they had time to implement everything they needed to do to learn a new offense, um, teach Sean how to react to this, 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 that quickly. I mean, they never, they, they had so few workouts, so few practices, then the season's off, the season's on. It really paid a premium to staffs with, with stable staffs of guys who already knew what they were doing. Uh, You're putting in a new offense with a new coordinator uh, and an old quarterback, that's that's hard. That's hard for the COVID season. Uh, one, I think that was part of their problem. One other note on Penn State's 2020 offense that James brought up, I thought that was also interesting, uh, which fed into the fact that they were predictable on offense. And I think, I think most fans and most people who watch them would agree that they were too predictable. The lack of a spring last year with the new O.C., limited their running game. They were almost essentially all inside zone last year because James and I think Kirk wanted to put in the outside zone scheme, but they couldn't install it. They and they couldn't do it remotely and that that hurt them once the season started. They leaned far too much maybe on some basic plays and I think that's another facet of the offense that you're going to see with the running game. They're going to be able to do more things in the running game. David, just it just hearing James talk about the tempo and the limited run game options, um, their their hand was forced a little bit on offense last year, and when they fell behind, it was just all kinds of trouble. They, they actually really didn't get into a groove until they started playing with leads. Yeah, and they started playing lesser opponents. Too. Correct. <laughs> That's also true. But 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 the the longer the drives take and some of those drives were interminable but they were they were depending all on inside zone running plays and couldn't really stretch the field except for occasional dots and throw and yeah. there were 12 and 14 play drives where there's more of a chance of something going wrong that's the disadvantage of having a an old 1970 style ball control offense that doesn't really go with today's football and it didn't there's something yeah. could go wrong there's there's a one play where Clifford holds the ball too long and a, and a rusher comes free and he's getting the ball pawed out of his hand. And that, that could have happened on the eighth or ninth. And how many times did it happen late in drives? I mean, it happened quite a few times where they were making progress, but then something yeah. would go wrong. This yeah. is when it with with the explosion that he wants and right. rightly wants and a tempo offense, less of a chance of that happening if you score quicker. Of course, the, the objective is to score quicker. We'll see if that happens. Look at you and me talking college football, hardcore stuff here in a yeah, it's pretty pretty granular, Bob. It's on for, April Fool's Day, too. I think for, that's also appropriate that we're on April Fool's Day. You and I are digging in to talk Penn State football. Did you did you hear about Day. Queen? Did you hear about Queen Elizabeth showing up at Port Royal Speedway? popped up on my timeline it popped up on my timeline this morning because we did that we did that two years ago and kate bear and me the exec then the executive editor now the publisher called me and said you have to put something up at the end of that (laughs) because people believed it my my kid nick and his buddy max at point park they photoshopped the they photoshopped queen elizabeth into these dirt track crowds 
Perry County went wild. With it was the fantastic. Dog. Yeah. At Port Royal Speedway. No one quite got it, but well, There'll never be a better April Fool's Day story. than <laughs> No one ever did it better than SI and George Plimpton. Truly. I, I I'll be honest. I believed it. So that was, that was a great April Fool's prank. There was one that they, they put her in, they put her in the, the grandstand at some some shot that Jerry Regal took, you know, like to uh-huh. 15 years ago. And Queen Elizabeth actually has the lighting that makes her look real. And she's sitting forward with a big smile on her face. And there's, <laughs> there's some some hag next to her with a lit lucky like this, screaming, screaming at the, the cars right next to her. It's tremendous. Fantastic. I got that and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah. They did it for me. <clears throat> Hey, Dave, one more thing before we talk, we turn to basketball. I, I sent you that video of Justin Fields' pro day and that throw. Uh, did you watch it? That I didn't. His left? I didn't. I was in the middle of uh, NCAA okay. basketball stuff. Uh, I, I assumed it was an incredible throw on his part. Yeah, he right. threw it about 65 yards in the air, moving to his left, didn't set his feet. And hit yeah, yeah, Ryan Leaf could do that too, Bob. But no, my, my point, though, is it just illustrates – how different life is when you when you can recruit and land a quarterback like that for every year. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was I was gonna bring it up just to kind of th- that's what when Penn State can get one of those guys, everything changes just because he can he can flip the script in one in a game against any team uh on one play. And I, I just I just think that Penn State won't take the next step until they somehow can find somebody like that. I don't know how they're gonna do it. But that's the difference between the the teams that go, a lot of the teams that go to the playoff, and a lot of teams that are you know ten. It, it is, but but, free. but Bob, I mean, they that that guy so rarely was under pressure. I mean, you looked at his highlight reel, yeah, Justin Fields, and there there are times when he's just sitting back there, like, who should I throw to? Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the questions about him now in the NFL, I believe, right? That well, we need to see what happens to him when he's on a bad team Pressure, with, yeah. with bad blocking. That's that's another thing that Ohio State's had. The Ohio State has everything. They have <laughs> they it's not just the quarterback. They have yeah. they have seven or eight yeah. stockpiled great wideouts. Yeah. I mean, Julian Fleming didn't see barely saw the field last year. What else do you need to know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that their offensive line was as good as maybe the Big Ten has ever seen. And yeah. they've got Justin Fields and they've got, I mean, they had a running back who was a great running back before, but then couldn't get on the field either because the, get, the new yeah. diet. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it, it's, it, they're on a, they're on an SEC level with recruiting and nobody else is close. So yeah. I don't know what changes that, but Penn state's having a good year for 2022, right? They are. They are. Um, they need to, they still need to find some quarterbacks and maybe that'll happen. Uh, in the next in the next recruiting cycle, maybe a moment. Yeah, you see, their Penn State's best recruit, best quarterback in the modern era was a guy who would react to pressure. Yeah, uh, I think that's what they need a kid a kid who can react to pressure and make plays out of nowhere, which is what Trace McSorley in the play. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Because I you're not going to have everything in this situation. You're just not. Yeah, and, and sooner or later you're going to have to beat a team like Ohio State, or fight off an upset bid from somebody mm-hmm. like Iowa on the road where things aren't going to be going all that well. And uh, I think that's the kind of quarterback that 
Penn State needs, just a baller. I mean, I can't tell you how respected from all my old friends in, in Ohio and Columbus, Trace McSorley was because he was in constant, under constant yeah. duress in a lot of those games. Now, he wasn't a yeah. great quarterback all the time. We know that. And he had it kind of a kind of a, a choppy year his last year. But what he was yeah. really good at is reacting to pressure and making something out of nothing and extending plays. I think that's the way to do this. All right. All right. We're going to move on to Dave's analysis because we're taping this on Thursday. Hopefully you'll watch it on Friday. Dave, but before we get to the Final Four, I just have a quick non-basketball question. Are you doing anything special for April 4th? Known as, it's also known as Easter, but it's also – it's probably going to be a pretty big boozing day in Pennsylvania because if you wanted to, if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to kind of wander into a bar or a tavern and have a drink at the bar, you could do that. You do either either remotely or or in person. Are you going to do anything? I got my first shot. I got my first shot yesterday. I got the Moderna. I got the Moderna. I don't feel anything. Of course. It's the second one, right? No, I just got my first one. Yeah. No, but isn't the second one the test? Right. Like, the second the one, one is always the one where you feel like like crap afterward. So that right. won't be till April 29th. I got to I gotta be honest with you. Anna's going to go back to Ohio to see her, her dad. Yeah. Um, Nick is going to go back to Pittsburgh to, to college. It's just going to mm-hmm. be me and Kaiser. And okay. Kaiser doesn't like to drink. So... <laughs> I'm, we talked about that. Maybe he should start drinking. Maybe that'll lower his anxiety when he's getting into a stare down with swirl. No, we'll just we'll just walk around a lot in the spring. I'm not where you are, Bob. Right. I mean, every weekend with you. Every weekend, isn't it? Isn't it? Huh? Isn't it this? I can't confirm or deny that, Dave. What I can do, what I can do is ask you real quick, because we got to get to Penn State and Micah Shrewsbury, but real quick. What Gonzaga has done this year, how they look, how effortlessly they execute on offense. Are we really seeing one of the great, great offensive teams uh, or just great teams in NCAA history? Well, no, but we are right. seeing, we are seeing one of the best in recent history. Um, they went into this and look, I mean, they've got they probably got three three of the very best players in college ball, ball, basketball right now, and Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, and uh, Corey Kispert, the shooter. Um, and they play so well together. So that strikes you, how well they play together, how it's really hard to stop you. I thought USC was going to give them a, a, a go. Nope. And, and the game was over in like six minutes. Yeah. It was over. Well, like every uh, one of the games has been over in like six minutes. Yeah, that made me a believer. And, and okay. But but we're talking about the last 15 years of college basketball. I mean, when they got into Andy Katz, I think has done a really good job meshing in with that crew. I mean, he's sitting in Shaq's chair with with awful Chuck. lot of product in his hair, Dave. Though awful lot of product in his hair, I have to say. Maybe dial I'll it pass back. that along to him. But he's meshed really well. But but he got into a conversation where they're talking about this being one of the most dominant teams of all time. I'm just just stop. Yeah, just stop. What about I mean, just offensively? Well, no, because you go go look at the go look at the Houston Louisville National Semifinal yeah. in 1983. That game was played neither, in the air. Neither, <laughs> yes, yeah. 
Yes. Neither one of those teams won the national. No one title. never. <laughs> the sh- I think the time of average uh, possession time in that game was six seconds. It's amazing. I talked to Hank Nichols like about 10, 15 years ago when he retired uh, from, from NCAA fishing yeah. and did a story for basketball times on him. And he was doing that game. Yeah. And he said at one point, he just had to remind himself, look, officials get ahead of the play on fast breaks. Yeah. He had to remind himself when, when Drexler was coming in from that double pump dunk, I gotta, I gotta not be standing here watching this stuff. Like a fan, I gotta back up farther than I usually do on the baseline because something bad's going to happen. If I don't, I've got to get out of the airspace (laughs) because something crazy happened. Now, I bet you you if any young people are listening to this or watching our podcast, they're like, yeah, whatever that game. (laughs) No, no, not whatever. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. Understand what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that was 94-81, one of the greatest games of all time that everyone forgets. Yeah. And throughout the 80s, there were teams like that that didn't win anything. They didn't win the title. I mean, Georgetown in 85. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma in 88. Yeah. Uh, remember that team, the Kansas Philly Cubs, Wayman Tisdale. I mean, just Big incredible. Game. They actually, actually came in and played Penn State and Rec Hall. And Mookie. Beat by, Mookie was on that team. Mookie Blaylock. They beat him by like 100. Um but but it was a different time with with juniors and seniors playing every year and then finally going into college. That all began to change in the mid nineties. Sure. So I would say up to ninety five and then after ninety five. Since ninety five, yeah, you're right, Gonzaga, uh, one of the great offenses of all time. And I do think they're gonna. Uh, Baylor will give them a go. Um, I don't know if Baylor can beat them. Yeah, it's going to be it, we are already advanced ahead because there is no way in hell that that mutt UCLA team is going to be. <laughs> I mean, what Uh-oh. are they doing there? They, what they are they doing there? Yeah, I know. What are they We're, even doing there? This it's such a Mick Cronin team. I mean, what this team barely made the, the tournament. They, they needed everything they had to beat a crappy Michigan State team. And here they are. It's kind of an indictment of this is what I'm talking about. It's kind of an indictment yeah. of the current age of college basketball. And um you know the other the other game is Houston. Houston barely beat Rutgers. We could actually have Rutgers in the Final Four. Yes. Have you have you considered that? Because that I could have not have considered that. That could have happened. That could have easily happened. They could have. They would have met Oregon State. Yeah. And they they could have been in this. We could that we could have Rutgers in the Final Four. What's up, real quick? What's up with the seven foot guy from Baylor with the mullet? <laughs> what's up with that? Everything comes back around. What, what's up with that? Brandon texted me uh, during that last game and said he's like he's like an uppercase Trent Buttrick. <laughs> now you don't know who that is because you Mark know Brandon for everyone. Mark Brandon, <laughs> uh, longtime Penn State beat beat fight uh, on State used to fight be on here. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that kid. Uh, everything comes back around. That's the way I look at it. Now, what we're what we're waiting for is short shorts, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, so who do you have since since your uh, Michigan, Michigan team finally yeah. to go out like that? Too. I mean, I, I just think that I, I would I I would prefer to see Gonzaga and Baylor because I don't like you said if it's going to be if, if there's an upset in the in the semis, I don't know how watchable the final is going to be. No, I don't. I can't see there being. I think I, Baylor's best game could at least make it make it make it pretty interesting going into the second half. Yeah, and I think Baylor's best game is ahead of it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think they have played a complete game yet, and I don't see Houston beating them. So I think we're going to see a good final. But man, the the other takeaway is Big Ten in this tournament again. 
this was supposed to be their year. Nine teams in the field, zero left in the final four, no championships in 21 years. And, and the Big Ten, this is the Big Ten we're talking about. It happens every year. Why does it happen? I don't think they're athletes. You love college basketball. I don't think the athletes of Michigan's team were as good as the athletes of UCLA's team. I think yeah. when you saw Tiger Campbell, um, he was he was he was winning those one-on-one battles. Uh, so were the other two kids who were, were real good athletes for UCLA. And when you get in these rock fights late in the tournament, I mean it's it's guys making plays that win them. And the Big Ten doesn't have great athletes; they just don't. Um, and the N- NBA rosters bear that out. Fewer yeah. fewer Big Ten players than than others. Uh, it's really disappointing for me because I was kind of pulling for your Michigan team. I, I wanted to see if they don't lose livers, I think they're there. Yeah, but they did. That's- Dave, in the last couple of minutes, just tell the fans what you've learned from Micah Shrewsbury, what you expect in the next year or two, um, and and maybe what you like most about him. I know it's early. Um, he has an easy charm about him that. I don't think we've seen. We haven't seen this in a Penn State basketball coach ever. Uh, I mean, you got to go back to Dick Harder was kind of a hard-ass military guy. And then you had Bruce Parkhill, who was a nice guy but hated recruiting. He didn't even want to recruit. Uh, he hated the whole process of hoodwinking <laughs> eight, 17, 18-year-old you know, and that's what it is. It's it's a sales job. He did. He just wanted to coach the game. He didn't want to recruit. And then you got then you got Jerry Dunn, who who really didn't have much personality, and and Ed DeCellis, who was uh, in the in the days when Ed was uh, Bruce's assistant. Their wives used to call them doom and gloom because they were <laughs> constantly thinking of what could go wrong. Kim DeCellis used to joke about them. I mean, these are not upbeat personalities. Yeah. And then, and then Pat Chambers was constantly Mr. Salesman, you know, like a plastic uh, salesman, you know, just constantly spewing the sloganeering. Blowing review of Penn State's coaching history by Dave Jones. Next guy up. So you haven't had, you haven't had a guy like this ever. I'm curious how that's going to uh, resonate with recruits, um, with people up there. I think he's going to wear well on the people up there. I don't think they care about college basketball so that he can, he can do what he has to do. You know, it's all going to be about recruiting. He got Adam Fisher on his staff right away. And Adam Fisher is a proven recruiter who is under Jim Laranega at Miami um, and really can. He, 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 he recruited a couple of really good players down there. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that works out. He's still he's only retained. Isaiah Brockington from the old team. I think it was a mistake to not get him in here as quickly as possible. I don't think, I think he was probably blindsided by the fact, but we all knew that this team was going to bolt and they might have anyway. They might have anyway, because they were bitter about Chambers's firing, about never having it explained to them by the administration, by Sandy Barber, but someone needed to clue, clue him in that that could happen. Maybe he could have come shown up right away talk right. to them in person and saved a couple of the players. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Jamari Wheeler's going to Ohio state officially. Uh, I think everyone else is out to shoot except for Brockington. So he's going to have some lean years 
the first couple. There's no getting around it. He's got to go in the transfer portal and find a couple players just to patch together a lineup because it's it's really hard to lose your your six, five of your top six players. And it's just it's it's catastrophic. He's going to have an expansion team, and that's just all there is to it. Another Penn State guy goes to Ohio State. It's different sports, same old story. Well, it's unfortunate. You know, that's the Adam, way of the world. Adam Fisher has Adam Fisher recruited Lonnie Walker to to Miami. I mean, yeah, he's he's a really good first step. So you get a couple of guys like that who can re- really spend all their time. Recruiting's a young man's game too. And and James Franklin's doing the same thing. He has to be build the same kind of staff that James Franklin did of, you know, 35, 40-year-old guys who basically are signing up for having no life. No life. Kind of like you, Bob, just drinking and boozing all the time. Isn't that what it is? It's not untrue, Dave. It's not untrue. <laughs> it's not untrue. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell any lies on the Penn State Blue White breakdown. You might be onto something, you might not be. I don't know. You know what? If they could just get Jimmy Chitwood, the guy from Hoosiers, great drive-by shooter. He never missed. They could run the picket fence with Dennis Hopper as an assistant. Gene Hackman, if this guy's anything like Gene Hackman, they could beat anybody. That's my theory. They just have to – and Barbara Hershey's going to have to show up at some point for Penn State basketball to get it turned around. Your thoughts real quick. Now I've got that image of Gene Hackman and Barbara Hershey. Make it out. No, 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 no. That was the most uneasy make-out scene. Like, (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Barbara Hershey's like, you can't pay me enough to do another take of this. Yeah, that was just the, the, you know, you were all in on that movie until then. And it's like, no, why would she do that? She wouldn't do that. No. That was a genuine reaction from Barbara Hershey to kind of pull (laughs) away. It was genuine. To get open mouth kissed by Gene Hackman is not worth it. Hey, look, he always shows up at the end of the podcast. There he is. You're so sleepy. You've been sleepy, haven't you? I know. Kaiser, happy Easter. Dave, happy Easter. We'll talk soon. Enjoy the Final Four. This has been another edition of the Penn State Blue-White Breakdown Podcast.